Good evening and welcome to Success in the City. My name is Helen Webster. I'm with the lovely Sandra Scott and our fabulous guest today is, if you'd like to introduce yourself, John. Yeah, it's uh, John Burton from Inside Connections. When you said the lovely, I thought you wanted me to come in there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, John, and thank you so much for coming on our show. And I know we moved you because we had our live event last week, um, in-person event. So thank you for your patience with us as well. No, no, we've wanted John for months and months and months, and we've like, yeah. keep on messing and haven't we and stuff. So massive thanks for giving your time up tonight, and we're going to find out loads and loads about John as we go on. But first, we always do a shout out to the kids. Any little people doing amazing things? So, San, have you got any little people doing amazing things? No, I haven't got any little people this week, you know, at all. Thinking about it, normally I do, don't I? But. All my munchkins are off for the holidays. Um, and I have had one young man, but I gave him a shout out last week. So no, I haven't. What about the little family who you were supporting today? Oh God, broke my heart. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Definitely a shout out to them. Okay. So I've been, um, my company's charity this year is the Big Help Project. They do loads of cool stuff. And um, one of the things I'm doing is I'm volunteering. Uh, I'm teaching two sessions a week of an hour and a half of English to them. And there's a mom who speaks Ukrainian and Italian and the two boys who only speak Ukrainian. Um, and this family, the mom had a baby four days after the war went and they had to send the two, I was nearly crying, the two teenage boys on their own where they went through the area with their grandma, the bombs were going off and everything. They just said it was up and the two boys came and the parents joined them just to get them out as fast. It was literally like, how who can we get out for safety? Because where they lived was so bad and they were getting bombed anyway. Eventually the mum got out with the baby and she's got a two-year-old as well. So um teachers in the Ukraine are a bit more authoritarian, shall we say, than we are here now. Maybe like they were when I was young. And um, when I went into the session on Friday, the lad looked a bit like, what's happening to me? Why has my mother made me come to this? And he's going into year 10 at St. Eddie's. Anyway, he was absolutely by the end. I was going, well done. And he, I don't think he'd ever received praise in a lesson. And he was yeah. so happy. And then today he was like, hi, when I walked in yeah. and they brought the other brother. Um, so they were just fantastic. They just, and they learned so much and, in an hour and a half, and I went over it today, and they knew everything we'd done last session. They're just so clued up. But I teach the mum a bit in Italian, and so it, we can move quite fast because of that. So it's it's really cool. So shout out, massive, massive shout out, Artem and Staz, the two lads are called. So massive wow. shout out to them. Do you know, what people don't realise how good we've got it in this country when you see stuff like that going on. Do we? Oh. And the woman, she was a teacher in her own country, you know, a primary teacher. I can't tell you. You know, when you just connect with people, they are the most gorgeous, lovely people. They just left with nothing. Four kids, absolutely nothing. But there we go. So the, if anyone wants to donate or help the Big Help Project, it's such a great thing. Yeah. So yeah. shout out to them. Well, John, um, any shout out to little people? Well, I'll shout out to our little Ryan. It's his birthday today. So he's 14 today. So my nephew's 14, Ryan. So a little shout out to them. And you know what? I'll shout out to Ben and Olivia, my two kids, who are smashing it in work. And it's really, really nice to see how they're maturing and how they're growing into helping people. And the stuff they're doing now is just remarkable. So it's really good cool when your kids don't follow a route you followed, but they're dedicated now to helping people. And watching them and seeing them at work, it's just, it's amazing. Brilliant. And also a shout out to all the young kids around the city who are taking up courses and stuff, especially with um, no uh, weapons down, gloves up. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's a great organisation with a great lot of people and, you know, they're doing a lot of good stuff, especially with the learning foundry as well. They're doing a lot of good stuff. So big shout out to them as well. Brilliant. Big, big shout out to all of them. Um, I'm going to give a little shout out to all the kids who came to summer camp today. So part of the um, the council funding for the summer holidays, because some children, um, you know, school is their safe space and they get fed in school. And then with everything that's happening, lots and lots of little clubs have popped up. Um, and part of the funding that the council have given out is that they have to be fed. So they get like a breakfast and then some snacks and then they get food. And we were really lucky today to be in the uh, Salvation Build 
Salvation Army building in, in Rice Lane. And we had, um, I think there was 38 kids today, um, from little ones to big ones. So we split them in half. The little ones went and did crafts. The big ones played on Lou. And then we switched it around. But then we brought them all in together to do the mindfulness um, session, little 12 minutes at the end, which was dead cool. And they were all... They were like, it's roasting and I'm sweating. I was like, you've been doing two minutes. You know, they were just delayed. <laughs> so, um, we had a boss day. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, we're back tomorrow. We, we've got someone in the back of Kirktail Community Centre called the Inclusive Hub. And, yeah. you know, the stuff they do for the community, it's just, it's unbelievable. And they work a lot with um, Down Syndrome kids, autistic kids. And, you know, to see some of the videos that none of these kids get the opportunity to do. Yeah. So massive, massive shout out to the inclusive hub as well because yeah, Jed's boss is Yeah, it's just amazing watching it. Yeah. Do you know what, John? This is what our whole show is about: acknowledging all the great stuff going yeah. on, either individuals doing business or sports people or other things. But there's so many people we have on here who are just doing lots of stuff for the local community and just helping others. And I just think we're really lucky and it's dead important to recognise that just someone, your next door neighbour, whoever you are, you can make a difference to the yeah. area, you know. And like Sheena Orton, she's been running the Kirkdale Community Centre, God, for about 30 years, Sheena. And you know what? She's such an amazing lady. And she gave me an opportunity to move in there a couple of years ago. And you know what? She 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 deserves a lot of recognition for for what she's done in her time as well. Brilliant. Yeah. I was a teacher there. Um, so success this week for you personally. Something amazing that's happened to you this week. Um, I'm going to start with John this time. Okay, so um, we've started our AEB contract with uh, the Learning Foundry. Um, it's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of reading. Um, my business partner and my staff have all been going through it and. We've started teaching this week and um, we've yeah. got the adult education budget with the Learning Foundry uh, for the next five years in the city. So for us, that's a massive, massive, yeah. Look, especially, you know, who's going to give an extra deal of the stuff a load of funds and when they come out of prison? I've had, mm -hmm. to, I've had to earn me stripes of what I'm doing and what my team are doing, but we're getting recognised for it now. And, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm not going down the wrong route again, you know, so for me, Seeing that AEB come in like that is just, it's, it's amazing. Brilliant. And we'll find out loads more about that. I don't yeah. want to give anything away. It's like a little bit of a, yeah. Um, San? Um, I think our success was our little event, actually, or our bigger, rather big event. Uh, we had on Tuesday at the Blackie um, by Chinatown. And um, that was a great event. And we had all our products. We had uh, Lou and different products we have showcasing there. Um, food and I wanted to give a shout out as well to Christine Penman who's just amazing and came and helped loads she's superb, she was a guest but ended up sorting all the food out and stuff as she does um, and we did our show and we had the live visitor um, Uncle Ron, Uncle Ron came in person which was fantastic so uh, we've got a few comments here so Dave saying John's a top man. So Dave Verbeek's giving you a shout out, John. And yeah, Peter Lloyd, big, big shout out to you guys for putting on the fantastic event last Tuesday. He loved it. It was lovely to, to just be with people in real life, wasn't it? And, you know, lots um, of our guests we'd met on like this. So we'd never met them in real life. And then to meet them, it was ace, wasn't it? Yeah, my favourite was Andrew Powell from Wirral, who came over with his wife and they set up... Um, we're all helping during COVID and they, they've helped a few people in the cul-de-sac and ended up helping 15,000 families. Do you know what I mean? And it's all goodwill and people helping each other. And he said, I was a bit nervous. He said, we've only been to one event like this before. And he said, I didn't like it. It didn't feel right. He said, I, these, everyone's so lovely and genuine. I said, no, that's all the people we have on the show. We're just gorgeous, fabulous people just trying to help others. So it was good. So that was my biggest success, I'd say. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, so my success is that football's back at the weekend. So we had the great um, sporting of, of um, you know, um, and the Lioness is winning on um, Sunday. I was talking about it today and I was thinking about it. So my friend used to play for Liverpool ladies going back to like 91, 92. And I used to travel and follow her, you know, and went down to Millwall and, and, and rather. And the abuse that they used to get was like yeah. incredible, you know, because it was a girl playing footy. And um to see the lionesses lift the trophy was just amazing. And Alex Scott, so she was commentating. And um, 
she got like quite emotional, you know, when yeah. the, and I was sat there, I was just like in little bits. I was just in absolute yeah. bits myself. I was like dead emotional because I was thinking the heartache and, and the, you know, everything that they've been through to get to where they are now is um, amazing. And then you've got the Commonwealth Games and I'm watching some of the athletes in the Commonwealth Games and it's just, it's just absolutely blows you away. The dedication that athletes have for their sport is just amazing. So big shout out to everybody. Um, and and you know everyday people, you know young kids who, who go boxing. The um, you know the the stuff that they do as an amateur. You know they get up at five o'clock in the morning, they go for a run, and you know the just the discipline that they have is just amazing. So big shout out to anyone um, who's sort of involved in sports and, and things yeah. like that. Just they're brilliant. brilliant. This is like they were brilliant. Honest, I've seen some women that are better than men. To be honest. Some of the balls of the going is fantastic, yeah. And to see to see ninety thousand people at, at the final, mm-hmm. um, that's a game changer for for a lot of um, women and in football. And you know what, they deserve every credit they get for. Yeah, because one of the arguments they used to use was they said they won't bring the crowd and no one will come. That's what they that's what they kept saying. Well, there's no point because no one will come. It's about money. But of course, they had a full stadium, so it was brilliant. Yeah, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so John is our guest today. We're going to play this or that. So, John, Sandra, I'll ask me and you. I'll ask you and Sandra something, okay? And we just answer what we what we feel. Okay, Sandy, you going first or am I? I'll go first. Okay. okay. John, a Chinese meal or an Indian Indian meal? Yeah, Chinese. Ooh. Taipan. Um, Love it. Oh, Taipan, yeah. Mm. Um, so I had a vegan chinese buffet so at our event happy green cuisine gave us biscuits didn't he so katie and joe made these oh, vegan yeah. cookies and um, you know to give out to everyone um and then she does a vegan chinese buffet which was unbelievable so i had that like before the match half time and after the match we timed it all the way through it was amazing so i think <laughs> now i'd go chinese what about you san well i like both as you know i really do but um i think like a lot of people in Liverpool, you probably have a favourite Chinese you go to, you know, like you said, straight away. And I, I know my son likes the restaurant you said then, John Taipan. But, um, you know, I love Luban. I like going there, which is a different type of cuisine, a different type of Chinese. But I just really love the food there. Uh, I don't frequent it often, not like I go every week. <laughs> but um, but I do yeah. like it there as well. Um, so you okay. Chinese. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. John, would you rather speak in front of teenagers or adults? Um teenagers, because I think they lead a lot more um adults they've learnt a lot more growing up. I think teenagers need a little bit more uh, positive advice about how, how to grow up and where and what they should not be doing. Yeah. What about you, Sam? Well, it's that's a really difficult one for me because you know I used to teach um, young people, and you know when I was a teacher, and of course in the last school it was for young people with challenging behaviour and that, and you know I I adored the kids I worked with, I really did. But why I like teaching or speaking to, why I like teaching um, adults is I like to teach a lot of adults who think they were a failure at school, and they think oh I came out with nothing. And then to have them speak in another language is like a great, they love it and the buzz they get and it's they're just so happy. So I'd probably say adults actually, people who think they've missed the boat, but they haven't because it's never too late to learn. Definitely, yeah. Um, and I'd probably go, oh, I don't know, it's, it's quite tough, isn't it? I don't know why I wrote that one because it's quite tough yeah. for myself. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd think, for, for, especially for girls, I'd say teenagers to get them into mm. sports so that they carry on you know, through the rest of their lives because the, the cut-off point is the younger ones. But uh, yeah. I really, really love me older, older adults um, yeah. groups. So, like, the over-70s, which is hilarious. We just have a ball. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're amazing and they're dead fit and they're probably fitter than most of the younger ones. Okay, Go on, Sam. Okay, then. John, would you rather have a skiing holiday or a beach holiday? Holiday all day long. Can't stand the cold. Oh, oh, skiing one hundred percent. Okay, it, as I've said before on this show, if it's got to be one or the other forever, 
it's the beach holiday definitely warm weather <laughs> um okay comedy or horror in films comedy. john comedy, comedy. yeah oh, comedy hands down <laughs> comedy so your favorite film was it pardon no right just ignore that john when my son's girlfriend who's italian when she came over to visit from italy my son had to work that evening so and i said oh, what would you like to watch and she said oh i'd like a horror film and i said that i went yes of course you know because you're trying to make someone feel welcome in your home so we watched it i was absolutely petrified but then and this red balloon <laughs> we went in where and there's a red why was there a red balloon even in our office? Where did that come well, Somebody's from? birthday and the, the this red balloon had gone under the chair and what had been there for months, hadn't it? It wouldn't go down. Inflated all the <laughs> And I was like, what the hell? And we'd had one in our house for something and the red balloon, honestly, it just, every time I saw it, yeah. So 100% comedy. And it took me and cousin's boys out the other Saturday to see um, the Minions film, the new one, and I've oh, never yeah. seen any of them. And the little one fell asleep. We'd already been out somewhere in the morning, then out to lunch, and we went to the cinema. He fell asleep. His brother was like that, look, watching, you know, he's a bit older. I was sat there going, wah! <laughs> laughing my head off at the top of my voice in the pictures, and speak, laughing. It was just hilarious. So um, I love, I love, love, love <laughs> Kev's put. It could, it only happened to you, Sandra. Wait till you hear what my red face is this week, Kevin. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll go comedy as well. I, I just don't think you can be um, a good laugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, go on, Sam. Um, okay, this is my last one then. Yeah. Okay. John, football or cricket? Football all day long. Football for me, although I am taking my dad to the 100, and the best sporting event I've ever been to see was England v Pakistan 2020, which was just nuts. But okay. football, 100%. Yeah. What about you, Sam? Football, because I have no comprehension or understanding of cricket whatsoever. And that's why the 2020 and the 100 are good, because it's just wacky. So it's yeah. it's fab. So that's, that's cool. I just remember the song, I don't like cricket. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a great song. That it used to be like they turned that into a rave song. Sorry. Okay. Um, cat or dog? So during the show, the cat hates humans, and it always comes in and meows and says hello, and it's in. I'm trying to eat me hand. So cats or dogs, John? Uh, dogs. I've got two of them. What have you got? Yeah, two French bulldogs, dad and lad. Oh, lovely! Your boss is that dad and lad. What about you, Sam? Okay, so we've had this before, and I find this very difficult, as we know. And um, and I love dogs, of course, and I love cats. But then I decided in recent times, although I change my mind about this, probably a cat at the minute because they're a bit more independent. And I don't have a dog at the moment. My lifestyle is not conducive to a dog. You know, I wouldn't want it to be left in and if it couldn't come everywhere with me and stuff like that. So I'd have to say a cat at the moment, but I do love them both. I went to see Sean the printer this morning and, of course, his puppy's grown so much and was just so friendly and it was lovely. It's dead nice seeing a dog. We've been borrowing dogs lately, minding them for people for a day and just stuff like that. And then we give them back and that works. Yeah, which is happy yeah. days. I'm going to say dog because the cat's doing me head in. <laughs> okay sandra i'm gonna let you introduce john okay so our much awaited guest who's got the patience of a saint i'm so delighted he's finally here because he's got such an interesting story and he's going to talk to us about what he's currently doing and uh, what's led him to his journey to where he is today so we are delighted to have on our show John Burton from Inside Connections. Take it away, John. Yeah, so, do you know what? I look at it this way. I was a young kid who wanted to be one of the boys in the city, and I wanted to grow in stature, and I wanted to earn money pretty quick as I could. So I took some 
bad decisions, as I would say now, um, which I thought at the time were good decisions and being around a lot of your mates and getting involved in crime or drugs or cigarettes and stuff like that. It's all right earning the money, but it's never going to last and it's never going to be a long time. And I think growing up, I always wanted to be involved in criminality. Um, if I had my ways now, if I could change that, then 100% I would because there's a better way in life being straight. And you might work that little bit harder to build yourself into a job and then build yourself into a future. You might be able to do it overnight in a criminality world. But being in a straight world, you, you, you're never going to be able to beat it. You could have that quick fix of money or you could be in the wrong place at the wrong time and you could end up doing a long sentence in prison. And when you're doing that long sentence in prison, you have to remember a few things. One, was you the breadwinner in your house? If you were the breadwinner in your house and you go to prison and you've got a girlfriend, wife, children, then it's what you're leaving them to do while you're in prison. You know, so stuff like that, leaving me and leading myself down a wrong path and being in where, when you say the wrong crowd, you know, it's not the wrong crowd, it's where you choose. Now, if when you go into secondary school, that's when your life will change for you. Now, if you're someone who wants to get your head down and study, then you're probably going to go the better way in life. If you want to be with your boys and want to be a hard knock, want to be cock at the school, want to get involved in fights and stuff like that, then you're always going to get sort of veer to the right or to the left. And by the time you're 16, that 11 to 16 is is where your life's getting panned out for you. Because if you haven't got your qualifications and you haven't got your education, then people like the way I was just think there's only really one way to go. When you start going out to nightclubs and stuff like that, if you're not working, what you do to fund them, what you do to fund the clothes, you know, especially in our city, it's very materialistic. People want £400 pairs of trainers or they want £150 tops, they want jeans, they want everything to go out on a Saturday night to look good. And it's how you're going to do that. And that's where I got led into a path of, you know, I wanted to go out and earn a couple of hundred quid when I was 14, 15, 16, to like when you get a little bit old and you've got families, you need to earn that little bit more. But all the time you're doing that, you're just building a portfolio for police, neighbours and jealous people basically around you to, you know, put you in a bit of a bad position. So for me, I went down the wrong route in life, but I always say your life's panned out for you. and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it didn't go down that route. And like you said before, who would uh, like to speak to more young people or adults than young people? Because I want to give them a lot of information about me growing up that they're right in the middle of doing, but they can actually make that change and, you know, go on to be a fruitful, successful person in, in business or in a job. And what people got to realise is if you start a job in a trade, three, four, five years down the line, that trade just keeps going all up. And, you know, you can earn a lot more money. You can go out and earn 10 grand or two grand and become part of a conspiracy with the police. And then when you go to prison and you're sitting there with five or 10 years under your belt, then it's all that thinking of earning £2,000 or £10,000, putting yourself in a situation that if you average that £10,000 over five or 10 years, let's see how much a day that, that works out at. You know, so for me, my path's led now to where I am. I'm helping people, not just in, in the Northwest, but I'm helping people in the West Midlands and London as well. So for me, it's about... There's always people going to go to prison. Do I think prison's one of the biggest businesses in the country? Yeah, I do. You know, there's a lot of stuff I see now with the prisons and people going in them. And there's a lot of people who are in prison who shouldn't even be in prison. There's a lot of people who are in prison that should really be in prison. There's a lot of people that shouldn't really get out of prison. But there's a lot of people that need a second chance when they get out. And it's people like me and my team that sort of work around that to make that happen. And you know what? It's like I won an award a couple of weeks ago in Parliament and one of the questions was, how do you feel about getting your award? I said, my award comes every day, watching people grow into better people and getting away from a life of crime and, you know, going or heading back to prison. And for me, that's, that's, that's what it's all about.
And you know, John, um, one of the things when I used to, I was saying before, when I used to teach at the behavioural school, I used to do an after school thing um, to support literacy with some of the parents and that. And I worked one, the guy wouldn't come with a group, he only wanted to come on his own. And I taught one of the gentlemen, one of the dads who'd been in prison. And um, one of the things we looked at, and again, when I went on to work for the ADHD Foundation was 65% of people in prison have the estimated have ADHD um, a similar amount have um, very, very poor literacy, um, high instance of dyslexia, autism, etc. And actually, if you think about it, rightly or wrongly, forget the moral aspect or what have you, it's a path for people to take. Um, if you feel you can't go the traditional way, if you feel you can't perhaps go through the educational way or up that route, um, maybe to go into certain professions that might require a university education, for example, it's actually quite, it's lateral thinking to think, okay, what's my way out? Okay, I can do this and achieve in that world, you know? And if you don't know any different, perhaps in some cases, um, and when I helped this chap, he said to me, if he'd been to a behavioural school when he was younger, but he loved the way the school I was, was run and everything, and his daughter was there. And he said, if, if it had been like this for me when I was younger, I'd have had a different outcome. Do you think that's got a lot to do with things, John, about literacy and um, poor literacy and, and other neurological issues there? Yeah, it's like ADHD. I think I suffered with it when I was a kid. I still think I do now because I bounce off the walls anyway. Yeah. But putting me in a classroom weren't really for me. You know, if you, if you it's like now with the, with some of the kids that have come from school or come that have not come from you know an education background, putting them in class with a normal teacher, it's not going to work. Putting them in class with someone with lived experience who's been there, seen and done it, they seem to take notice a lot a lot better. I think. And, you know, when I was in school, I just, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't stand it. I yeah. And being in a classroom, stuck in there all the time, I just, it's like if you cross the phobic, you just wanted to get out of that classroom. And that's yeah. where I always find myself. So I do, like with the ADHD stuff then, I see it a lot, a lot with young people. And now it's being recognised, you'll sort of find out that there's a lot more people with it than yeah. you think that, that think there isn't. Mm -hmm. And I think what you were saying, it's a really valid point of um, being relatable. So to young lads who, you know, maybe, you know, decide them what, what their future is and whether they, you know, they're, they're hanging around with the mates and things and they come to <clears throat> like um, a youth club or, you know, um, there's loads and loads of stuff, you know, you were saying before about knives down, gloves up, you know, they're doing loads and loads of um, activities around the, the, the city. So if you can get them young and then they see these, you know, positive role models now who've, you know, taken a different path and they've got a relatable story. Or you've got somebody who stood at the front of the class who's so distanced from their life. Um, it's just, you know, they're looking and they're saying, oh, well, you know, if, if they can do that, I can do that. And we, we've spoke, haven't we, Sandra, about lots of people in our city don't like to shout from the rooftops their successes. And this was another reason, you know, they, they go, oh, you know, I, I just did that. And they feel like they're boasting. And we're like, no, no, shout it from the rooftops, yeah. get up there and shout. Because you could be somebody else's inspiration. People look, don't they, and they watch and they think, what are they doing? And, oh, if yeah. they can do that, then I can do that. Um, and I think especially for young young lads, you know, more than more than girls, I suppose, um, they need to be shouting the, the, the positive successes and, and, you know, the positive role models. So... How, how did Inside Connections all start then, John? So on my last sentence, I got um, sentenced. Um, I think the two sentences I got in 2011, it was total 19 years uh, because I put early guilty pleas in basically because they put me in a corner where they arrested me, girlfriend at the time, my family and stuff like that. So the first opportunity I got was to throw my hands in and just say, look, it's got nothing to do with them. Mm -hmm. It's all down to me. So I got a reduction on my sentence for when when you go in and get arrested, if you put your guilty plea in very early, you'll get a 33% reduction on your on your sentence. So I got 14 years plus five years for uh, money laundering on top, but 33% discount on that took me down to 12 years. I ended up in a category A unit in Manchester, 
and the effect that had on my children was just awful. It took them four months to actually get vetted by the police to come in and visit me wow. uh, when they did come in. John, sorry, just for people who don't know, what does a Category A unit mean, please? So category A unit is one of the highest security prisons in the country. So you never move off the wing you're on. Gosh, you, okay. you do move off a wing you're on, you, you have to be escorted by two or four officers. And if it's outside the building, then you've got to have, um, they've got to be sort of dog handlers as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, very high security. You can't really do nothing because you're on a book. It's a little yellow book. And if you go in the gym and it's only downstairs, they've got to have the book signed. If you're going for a visit, they've got to have the book signed. You get strip search going in, you get strip search going out. Like my first visit uh, was with me then girlfriend. Uh, we both sit down in a room and two officers sat facing each, other, facing each other with us. And I'm looking, thinking, what's going on here? And then I basically said, are you all right, babe? And then next minute he's wrote down, are you okay, babe? And everything I was saying, he were writing down. And it was just like, how are you supposed to have a visit when you've got two officers in the same room as you and the boat writing down what things you're saying? Mm -hmm. So it, it's that type of security that, one, it made me think twice. And then I got barred from uh, the Northwest, all Northwest prisons. So they sent me down to uh, Birmingham. And Birmingham was probably, well, Wolverhampton it was. That was probably the start of my change. Um, I, I thought, you know what, it's time. I got my head together. I was sort of 40-odd at the time. And I thought, mm -hmm. I'm not putting my family through this again. And then when I went to a Cat D, which is open conditions, so you'll go from a Cat A to a Cat B, a Cat B to a Cat C, and then a Cat C to a Cat D, where for the last sort of two years of your sentence, you can go out and work, and you can start sort of getting back into the community, getting a job, hopefully keeping the job when you get out of prison. It's just all about the rehabilitation side of it. Now, my last two years, I ended up in a place called the Isle of Sheppey in Kent. Now, I think watching my, my sons, my family and my friends travel 17 hours on a, a round trip just to come and see me for an hour, I just thought, you know what, this is not what I want people to do. And, you know, a few of my mates said to me as well, you know, if you want to get into this when you get out and you want to go back the same way, just drop us out because I'm not coming all over the country to visit you like this. Yeah. You know, so it was stuff like that that made me change. And I designed an app um, in prison on paper and I spoke to the governor about it. And the governor at the time, Jim Padley, he was, he was sound. Don't forget, in a cat, hey, you never really see a governor. In a Cat B, you never really see a governor. In a Cat C in Oakwoods, where I was, I met a governor called John um, John McLaughlin. And do you know what? He was the first person I ever sort of spoke to on a governor level. He was just used to come around the wings and have a chat. Mm -hmm. And he gave me an opportunity in prison that I took. And then from there, I just, I just had ideas about rehabilitation and helping people when I got out because I had people coming to my cell at 8 o'clock in the morning and dropping bags off and saying, look, I'll be back at 10 o'clock. And I'll be like, why are you coming back? Well, we've got nowhere to live. They'll go and get a train warrant. And at the time, it was £47. They'd go out, get a breakfast, go to the pub, get drunk, hit someone, and be back in at 10 o'clock at night because they had no home to go to. Yeah. So my app was all about rehabilitation and you know helping people or signposting them to the nearest doctors, the nearest opticians, the nearest pharmacy. You know, We've got people coming out who are on scripts that need to go to pharmacies for medication and stuff and it was just all about that and then when I got out I had to develop the first year but what I'd done was I went round to all third sector organisations and I went to you know every sort of event that was down going in London at the time I went to them just to see how how things were going and where they're doing it the right way and you know I've seen a lot of people get funds and because they could write a good bid yeah. you know what I mean but yeah. didn't know how to spend the funding in the right way. And I don't believe a bum on a seat. I believe a bum on a seat with an opportunity at the end. And you know what, from there, I think it was Wilmot Dixon that gave me my first opportunity in the Liverpool car park on the docks. And then from there, we've just grown with some massive national organizations. So, so when you say you've grown, so what is it you, you do in, do you help one of, I know you do lots of different things and we were talking about that briefly before, but in terms of gaining employment for people and if you could speak about some of the, you just said about the car park company, the firms that help and the different types of work 
you've been getting people into? So I always look for innovation. Um, innovation is always going to be in construction. Then mm-hmm. you've got the telecommunications now where you've got the next 15 years of fibre getting fitted. You've got renewable energies coming up, which is your like EV chargers, home mm-hmm. energy management systems, um, battery storage, solar. These are all innovation that's going to carry on for the next 20, 30 years. So for me, it's finding opportunities with companies who are national because I just don't work in Liverpool. I have prisoners all over the country that we work with. Um, we've got the likes of Caden Gas, Wink Canton, um, BCEGI, Wilmot Dixon, Lango Rourke. So we've got a lot of big, big organisations that we work with. And I get people now coming, I've got a job here, I've got a job there, but if you've got a national organisation, they might have 150 jobs national instead of being just one in the city or just one in somewhere else. And I've learned over the past four years that some people are just not, they just want to do it to tick a box. And some people just want to do it because it's got to tick a box on CSR. But then you've got the ones who are passionate about seeing people grow into a different future. And they're the people I'll be working with all the time. And, you know, potentially massively changing someone's life and the outcome for their families and their kids in the future as well. You know, it's just about giving people a a chance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what I I like to do is I I like to make people look attractive when they're going into work. And what that means is I don't want them just having one qualification or one certification to get on. If we can make that over a couple of weeks as to several uh, certifications, someone coming in for a job with just a CSCS card is like, yeah, okay, you've got a CSCS card, we can start you on site. But if they've got other qualifications that add up to that, so your manual handling, your asbestos awareness, your first mm-hmm. aids, it's always stuff like that that I always find employers are looking for because they want to see that little bit more and a little bit extra of qualifications. And I've got now, um, so with the TLF, the Learning Foundry in Regenda, we're putting a, a construction hub on in Bootle. So that's basically all going to be about construction and apprenticeships and stuff like that. Um, we've got a training centre we open in two weeks in Newtonley Willows. And that's through a company called Digital Infrastructure. And the guy who owns that, Charlie, uh, Charlie Ruddy and Jed McGill, uh, they believed in what I was doing three years ago. And they've stuck with us. And they've funded a big, massive, total, state-of-the-art training centre in telecoms because they've also got the opportunities that they have a load of local delivery partners who all do all the work for them. Now, all them local delivery partners are all looking for labour. So, like I said before, we could just get them in, in involved in, like, a telecommunications, but getting them involved with underground telecommunications, overground telecommunications, splicing, street works. So, it gives, it gives someone a lot more elements to go into a job and say, look, this is where I was in life. This is what I've done over the certain amount of time. And... This is where I want to go. And not everyone's cut out for it. You'll you'll always still get your people who who want to go in and you know, some some people just don't like getting up or some people want to have a day off here or a day off there. Mm-hmm. And what I always say to people is look, you're on a four-week trial, you know, that four weeks, you've got to make the, the most of what you can get out of it and show the employer that one, you are worthy for the job, and two. If you're worthy for the job, I know they'll invest in other stuff to to make you more attractable to be a multi-skilled person in that that industry. And the other thing is as well, probably once they've done four weeks of it, they're in the routine then and they start to settle in more and feel part of the group and they're in the habit then of getting up at that time and the consistency of turning up, etc. So you've got a better chance of success, haven't you? Yeah, 100%, yeah. It's massively about... um... I think like, you know, like I, I always talk about a sense of belonging. So, you know, for, for young yeah. people who, who haven't got a sense of belonging, you know, so I, I work with kids with autism, ADHD, um, you know, disabilities. And for them to be able to say, oh, I go to my club to their mates in school, it's that yeah. sense of belonging, you know. And I think quite a lot of people, you know, who've, who've, you know, ex-offenders and things, and they come out and they don't know what to do. But for somebody to invest in them, mm. that's got to be a massive self-confidence boost. 
and then to say, no, I need you now to be the best version that you can be. And I'm yeah. going to invest all of these different qualifications in you so that you can then go out. And then it's that ripple effect, because if you've got somebody who's then going out and doing an amazing stuff in the community and again you know people are looking at them oh you know you to turn the life around and they're now yeah. oh look they've got a qualification in this this and this and then you know they go down another path it's that positive influence for the younger ones coming through and saying oh well if they can do it then i can do it so yeah. how do people get to um do, do you only work with ex-offenders or, or do you work with just young people oh, so the majority of people we do work with do have convictions now whether you're a veteran with convictions or whether you're a veteran, whether you've been in prison or you're still in prison. Because I've got a lot of people coming out every day from prison and going to work and going back into the prison of a night time to sleep, yeah. going back out and going to work. So I have a lot of people in a few different areas around the country doing that. So, you know, for me, watching them come out of work, out of prison every day, some come out at six in the morning, some go back in at eight o'clock at the night. It gives them a little bit of freedom. It gives them time to get out and do a job, but actually support the families in the same time as well. Now, when you get to a Category D, you're allowed to go home uh, three or four nights every month. Now, when you've been working all that month, and obviously while you're in prison, you're not really spending your money. So you go home and you support your family. And the amount of letters you get saying, you know, I'm sitting here Christmas now with my kids, I've bought them toys and stuff like that. That to me is the best award you can get out of anything because I've been there. And like I say, you know, we, we do work a lot with people with convictions, but we do work with veterans, uh, long and short-term unemployed, we care leavers. I don't mind who we work with. If, if people think they need a chance and they're not getting a good chance at life, then you know what? I'll, we'll give them a chance. And not everyone's ready for it. You could have 25 people on an open day. Now, open days to me are always the what you really need to do first because there's three categories of an open day. There's people who are ready for work. There's people who are nearly ready for work, but then there's people who are not ready for work. And I'm open and honest with them. And, you know, if you're on medication or, or you're on methadone or you're on subitex or you're smoking weed, then there's a few processes you need to go through to be going into that because I'm not going to put waste my time with people and spend a lot of funds and on someone who's just going to keep smoking weed every night because mm-hmm. if they get a drug test, then obviously they lose the job. But for all the qualifications they've done, if it's in construction, telecoms and stuff like that, then the band's off site for five years. And what I do explain to them is, look, if you've got uh, drugs in your system and there's an accident in work, but it's mm. a fatal accident, nine times out of 10, you're on license and you will get charged. Yeah. Because if you've got drugs in your system, when they do when they do sort of take a drug sample from you, then you, you, know, you might end up going back to doing your license. But if you've killed someone and you've got drugs in your system, then there's a possibility there's a charge going to come with it as well. So it's just it's just learning people about, you know, the way forward and how to avoid getting in situations. Like I always say to someone, what do you think the ripple effects are of smoking weed? And they'll say, well, what do you mean you just smoke weed? Amsterdam, <laughs> you can smoke it. Canada, you can smoke it. California, you're not in them countries. I said... You know, first thing is, you'll go and buy a £20 bag of weed. I said, but straight away then, your back's up because you've got to walk home with it. Mm-hmm. If police go past you, there's a slight, you're looking to see where they are. You've looked, they've clocked you, they're turning around, they're coming back to search you. You know what I mean? So it's all the different ripple effects that drugs do have on, on, on you and yourself of going out there and trying to get a job. So not everyone's going to listen to you, but nine times out of ten, if people want to change, they'll they'll go the right route and listen to you. And you know, we can we can't put everyone into work, but we can certainly put them into different organisations to get the support they need, and then they can come back to us and you know get on get on the ladder and get back into work. So, John, are people referred to you when they're in prison? How do they actually access to come? Because there's so many people, as you said, there's so many people coming out of prison every day. How do they access your support services? Are they told? I'm, I'm, what I go in, I go in prisons all around the country. Okay. Um, going in there and speaking to the lads, like I was in Winston Green the other a uh, couple of weeks ago in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. I had a, um, I had seventeen people in there, and there was a normal straight guy from a, a, an agency for construction, and he was me. He'd done a ten minute talk. I'd done a ten minute talk, but I had seventeen people lined up at the end of the talk where. Gary had no one. And I said to everyone, look, go over and give Gary a chance. 
I said, just because he hasn't got convictions, you know, it doesn't mean that he can't help you on release. And everywhere I go, because I've been to prison, I've got the lived experience, and I can tell them what I'm doing and what my team are doing. We're, we're, we're doing it right. And every which way possible, I've turned things around. If like CSES cards, that's a lot of touchscreen and technology. Well, a lot of people coming out of prison or a lot of travellers, a lot of people with dyslexia, you're putting them on something that they're going to fail. And if yeah. they fail that three times, they think it's them. It's not the technology, but it's that person themselves. And I don't like that. I just think if you can make something simple and make it easier enough for someone to pass an accreditation without putting them on tech, then I think you you know you've got to give everybody a chance at that, and that's that's what I'm saying. It's about giving people a fair chance, and sometimes what they're called in um, in um, exams, etc., reasonable adjustments. And reasonable adjustments put people on a on an intelligence or capability on a level playing field because it's it's not right at all to have somebody doing having a certain process to do an exam on a computer, for example with someone who's never used computers or hardly used them or been exposed to them when actually they can do the job really, really well, you know, and it's making it accessible to, for everybody, definitely. Yeah. And you know so, John, you keep, sorry, you keep on talking about your team. Um, who, who are the team? Oh, my team. Uh, yeah. So you've got um, Maria Petz, who um, she, Marie was, uh, I met Marie when I lived in uh, Kent. I weren't allowed to come back to Liverpool for two years when I got out of prison. But I met Marie in uh, Kent in 2018 when I was building Inside Connections. And Marie worked for, uh, she was one of the directors uh, uh, for HR at Channel 4. And she believed in what we were doing. And you know what? I I asked her for help on HR. And that was 2018. (laughs) And she ended up, obviously, Marie comes from a care background. So in the prison backgrounds, we both sort of made it happen and she invested with us. And you know what? She, li- she lives up here now. She's a big Yeah, yeah. She loves it up here because it's not, you know what? It's it's different down south than, than it is up north. And at first she thought people were just being nosy. Yeah. She, was, she sort of got round to the fact that they're just really nice people up here where down south, I'm not saying they're not nice people. I've got some great mates down there, but it's just not the same as up north. And then we so what you have to do is you've got to look beyond that and you've got to get people in who have been in the business beforehand and have always been in and around prison. So we've got um, Ollie Sumner, who's been in the prison um, game for a long time. Barbara McDonough, who was one of the COOs of Novus, uh, mm-hmm. then Massif, who run the Prison Education Fund, got Trudy Burrows, who was one of a big, massive CEO of colleges in different areas around the country. Then you've got, like, the team who we've brought on. So Ben and Olivia, my son and daughter. Um, our Ben started this with me when he was 18. And he's 24 now, but, God, he's so intelligent. But he's learning off the best. And when you learn off the best of people who have got a brain and have been in a lot of big sort of companies, mm-hmm. my kids are learning off the best. My staff are learning off the best. You've got Carl, who's my next door neighbour in um, in Kent. Now, little story about Carl. He was my next door neighbour, and I'd spoke to him a couple of times. He fitted windows, and as my mum passed away when I was when she was what forty three, I was about twenty four, and I had a weird dream. And I woke up in the morning, remember my mum saying, "Carl's the answer to all your technology," and I was thinking, "Carl's a bloody window fitter." Well, I'll tell you what, I went out on my veranda where I was living at the time, and. I'd not long been out of prison, so I used to look like my nan when I was a kid made me tea with tea leaves and stuff. So I used to sit on my veranda and just have, and do you know what? I looked in his, his apartment, all his windows were open, and I just seen all computer screens. And I just went, I was a bit sort of taken back by it. And I shouted them over. I showed him what I designed on paper in, in, in prison. And he come back two days later and went, yeah, yeah, I can do all that. I said, so if I could offer you the same wages in your job now, I said, would you come and work for me? He went 100%, and that was what, 2017? He's up here now, yeah. So him and Marie, both of us, we all lived in the same little complex. I'd met Marie once on one day, but bumped into her three times that day. And Mm -hmm. then Carl next door, he become 
my technology guy. So he does all the coding and builds the websites, the apps. And then Marie's just got a phenomenal brain. She's just, she's fantastic. Oh my God. The team are, the team are brilliant. Isn't that fabulous? We need yeah. to come and see you. Yeah, you we can. need to come yeah. and visit you 100%. Come anytime you want. Definitely. It's amazing, isn't it, that, um, you know, you, you were saying, you know, this guy who's a window fitter, but then he's got all these amazing skills and, you know, it many years across and then you meet her three times in one day and everything all yeah. comes together and now you've got this amazing... Hey, hang on a minute. It's a bit amazing that he had his dream. His mum said that to him, Carl, <laughs> in his <laughs> dream. I woke up in the morning, I was thinking, what, what are you doing about woman? He's a bloody window fitter. But I, I was shocked. I was shocked when I looked over and I seen three computer screens. And then when he told me he made games and stuff in the spare time, it just sort of went, wow, this is just berserk. And then, like I always say, everything in life happens for a reason. Yeah. You know, and I'm where I am today because of my past. Um, Marie's here because we met on that day and Carl's here who built everything. Because you your mum told him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, when I was in prison, I was in prison in Kent. I didn't ever envisage me sort of living down there. It was just that the police put restrictions on me that was stopping me sort of coming back sort of in the in the Liverpool area. And when I first got out, I went to Runcorn for about three months. But because I was used to Kent and where I was in prison down there, I ended up finding somewhere to live down there. And it was just, I went past these apartments one day and I just thought, you know what, I like that. And then I went and asked the woman for it and I told the woman who owned the apartments about what I'd been doing and what I'd done. And, you know, that lady gave me an opportunity and said, you know what, I believe in you. She went, I'm going to let you out of the apartment. And then from there, everything's just sort of grown to where we are today. Brilliant. Really? How fantastic. You're such an interesting, interesting person. So, do you know what I've always remembered? One thing is networking. Mm. Networking is always the best way you could ever do stuff. And, you know, being in, in a drug world or a cigarette world or whatever world I was in, I was really good at networking. Mm -hmm. But like I don't know, um, I don't know. You know the uh, police headquarters in Liverpool. I done a talk there last year, and there was probably about 140 coppers in there, and I was sweating and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I said the last time I see that many police, they were coming through my front door. Did they and, like? Yeah, one. They were. They were all right, and you know, I don't see police as my enemy no more. Yeah. You know what I mean? I work with a couple of police officers that work with the youth, and they refer people onto us, and I always say to them, look. If you refer people onto us, then there's got to be a no further action charge on these if they get into work. And you know what? A lot of them are sticking by that. And I've got a lot of people out. Bloody hell, I've walked into court and I've pulled some of them out with, with stuff that we're doing. And, you know, the judge can see a change in them. So they're giving them opportunities to get out and actually change their lives. And in, in with the police, a police officer said, so how do you run a business now successful from when you come from uh, drug wales and i said you know what i said virtually the same i said but i run it straight mm -hmm. i said you've got me at the top on drugs or in in sort of what i'm doing now you've got your trusted lieutenants in a drug world who would issue them drugs out to people below them and it would all come into the people on the streets getting them where i say now it's me at the top with me ceos and mds there with all my trainers and everybody, employers stuff here, but it always boils down to people who are coming in off the streets or prison to actually want to change. And that's the only way I knew how to make it happen. And you know what seems to be happening now? So I must be doing something right for a change. I think you're doing a great job, a great job. Uh, I, love, I love it though. It's, it's, to me, it's not, it's not like a job, it's like a hobby. Yeah. But you change your life around, John, and you're helping so many others turn their lives around as well, which is wonderful. Well, I I'm going to jail. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I think we could speak to John for a long, long time, and I'm sure, um, yeah. you know, as it goes on, we might get one of John's... Um, team to come on and, and, and talk about it in, in a different way of how they're supporting each yeah. other which is you know be great to get some of your young people and maybe you, whose life has been turned around to say this is what's happened you know that'd be quite a cool one um yeah. so we do have a red face moment so something that embarrassing that's happened people can laugh along with not at you and sandra's got a belter okay. this, this night show really so um the other night, my son put the craze or whatever it's called on Netflix, and I don't normally watch stuff like that. Anyway, I went, which actor's that? And he goes, it's Tom Hardy. I'm really bad with actors. I'm hopeless at stuff like that. 
And he goes, oh, it's Tom Hardy. And I went, oh, right. And I said, the other guy looks like him, doesn't he? He's doing well. And I would go, where are the twins? And my son's like, oh, my God, Mum. <laughs> and he had to explain. And I was like, no. Nobody plays a double Absolutely doubled up on the sofa, crying, laughing. He thought it was hilarious. So um, that was my red face this week. <laughs> No, I haven't got one, but I remember speaking to somebody and thinking we need to use that on the show because it was hilarious, but it wasn't about me. It was about what somebody else had done. Me, you and somebody were talking to it and we were were just crying over it. I can't remember what it was. um, It was probably Linda. (laughs) She always has hilarious ones. It could have been. It could have been. What about you, John? Um, I've had loads. I'll tell you what. um, It was only a few days ago, actually. I was on site fitting some containers, uh, you know, to put some classrooms and stuff on this site. And uh, I'm not going to tell you where it is because the neighbour who see me probably know by now. But, you know, when you're busting to go to the toilet, I just thought I had a look around and stuff like that. I looked at the house, all the, all the blinds were closed. And I thought, right, quick, I'm just going to have a wee here. But just as I did, the blinds opened and there was a woman there. And I went, oh, you know, when you just don't know where to put your face. And I just turned round, ends up weeing all over me leg, and it was just, it was, it was funny. But out of all the times I was looking at that window for about twenty minutes, thinking I really need to, really need to wee, but there was no toilets there, or I was in the middle of a field with the house there, and I thought, you know what, they're not looking out now. So, but as I started to have a wee, the curtains just opened, and I just, I didn't know where to put my face, to be honest. Couldn't make it up. Weeing all over my leg was worse, I think. <laughs> Helen had an incident with a camper van that was unbelievable, or what, with a tent, yeah. With a camper van, the poor fella had parked his camper van. I took the dog for a walk. It was like quarter to six in the morning, middle of nowhere, nobody around. And literally, as I walked past, he opened the camper van. Ta-da! The door like that, and he had not enough. Oh, <laughs> and I just, kept, I just went, morning, and carried on. I was like, oh. <laughs> More so bad. Okay, shout out to the grown-ups. Any grown-ups who've done amazing things this week um san yeah i want to give a shout out to anna sexton who'd abseiled down the side of the atlantic out of the atlantic the anglican cathedral um jobs think that was across between the atlantic tower which is a blast from the past uh abseiled down the side of the anglican cathedral for the big health project and to uh gillian watkins who did it for an hour for us i was just gonna say that you know Shout out to Jill. Kevin are amazing. Oh, we've had them on here, John. We love them. They're amazing. I was only, they're just the best people. Yeah. And they're in the new centre, which is amazing. So, John, yes. any grown-ups that you want to shout out to? Yeah, I want to shout out to Charlie Ruddy and Jed McGill because they've made this training centre become reality. Um, it's been a lot of hard work, and I'm pretty sure when I show you the before and the after, I really think everyone should be proud of what they've done because it's, it's brilliant. Well done. It's amazing. Well done, um, I'm going to shout out to John Charles. So John Charles, one of our former guests who had his exhibition woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, Helen's cat stood on the internet. The probably. No, I'm okay. back. Can you hear me? The cat yeah, yeah. Because it always happens on a Tuesday, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, big shout out to John Charles for his exhibition, his woman, um, which was brilliant. And um, lovely to see so many people of different ages and young girls and men and women and everybody were there, which was great. Um, and then Leslie. Oh, Leslie. Yeah, she's saying Leslie went up, has gone to Morocco to do her event for Strawberry Fields today. You're back now. There we go. I'm back now. I think there's I think there's about six of them who've gone from Strawberry Fields and two and a half thousand pounds that they raise goes towards um giving somebody employment um yeah. with, with the learning disability. Um yeah. so it's giving them that that chance and stuff. And it's it's just a great yeah, space, self, isn't it? We were there. So yeah, so really, really good to them and uh, have a great time, isn't it? Okay. okay. Positive challenge, John. Um when you start training, fulfill it. When you start work, fulfill it. And you know what? In a few years' time, you'll look back at the start of the training to where you are today and it'll be fulfilled to what you're doing. Amazing. I love that. And enjoy the journey while you're doing it. That's my yeah, big thing at the moment. Yeah. Enjoy every day that you're doing something new. Um, it might be hard getting up, but it's worth it in the end. 
definitely, definitely. So I want to say a massive thank you to Sandra. Massive thank you to John. The time has flown. John's got yeah. an amazing closing quote, which I don't know about yet, but Sandra's oh, like fabulous. Your mantra that you live by. So people who say you can't do it, prove them wrong because anything in life you can do, you just need to be hard and you just need to be good with yourself and get it done and prove all them doubters wrong. It's wiping a smirk off someone's face. Mm. I told you you couldn't do something and you can. I love it. I just thought that was brilliant. Yeah, prove them wrong. People who say you can't do something, prove them wrong. I think that's an excellent one. Helen's frozen again. I know me she's... Oh, Sandra, you know, you know when I'm on Teams calls and stuff and they freeze yeah. like that, I take pictures of them and send them them for Christmas on the front of the Christmas cards. <laughs> I love you. want to see how many people's faces I've got on the row. <laughs> there you go. Oh, she's just... She's, she'll come back in now. So that helps. It's like switching it on and switching it off again. 